Hey there, chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat. And welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two girls who have 99 problems, but intensely researching a crime is not one. No, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You can say that again. We are obsessed with dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. Here is your disclaimer chatters. The following crime chat contains adult content and descriptions of potentially violent scenarios. Listener discretion is advised. Yep, you have been warned chatters. And before we get into today's crime chat, I want to ask you like, how has your week been going? It's great. My son graduated from Navy basic training and I am so Congratulations. Yes, I feel old. <laughs> okay, first of all, proud mommy. You should be a proud mommy. Second of all, I saw the picture yes, you posted on Facebook. And you don't look like his mother. You look like his sister. Yeah. Aw. Well, um, I feel like his mother. <laughs> but he did great. He was actually the number two recruit out of 1,088. Wow. He earned the David League Award for Leadership. He's just on his way. He's, he's making some great choices right good. now. He's making good, good choices. Good, so. good. I'm, pr- I'm proud. <laughs> what about you? you? Well, I, I started watching um, on Netflix The Witcher. And yes. I am at this point where Henry Cavill is like the hottest man alive. I'm sorry. Yes. The man is just, that- what the hell was, yes. how did I miss that? <laughs> <laughs> so... I, so we watched the first season of The Witcher. We're re-watching it again just to get caught back up and everything, right? When we were watching the first season, it didn't hit me that he was Superman. Oh, like it was the same guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's where I know him from. And that's why his like, his face and that little yeah. ch- dimple on his chin is so adorable. He is, when it comes to men, like that man is perfection. Mm. He's a gorgeous man. He is. He was also in a Netflix movie called Enola Holmes. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see it? It was no. kind of like a, a twist off of Sherlock Holmes Ooh. where I don't think he played a brother, but he didn't play Sherlock. He played somebody else, another Holmes. Okay. But Enola was a sister that didn't really exist. It's just like it was a it was completely fiction movie. Mm-hmm. But it was cute. It was really super adorable. But he played the protective big brother, whereas the other brother who was Sherlock uh-huh. Holmes was like, you are weird, sister. I want nothing to do with you. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> but it was super cute. Yeah, it's, it's a Netflix movie. Okay, I will check it out. But you know what we have been watching? An oldie, well, not really too old. Older. Boardwalk Empire. Ooh, that's a, that's from my neck of the woods. That's Atlantic City. Yeah, I know. Yes, oh. yes, it is. It is so good. Yeah, it's really good. So I think it came out right around the same time we were watching Game of Thrones. Okay. So we didn't really get into too many other series like on HBO at the time. Mm-hmm. We were looking for something else to watch and we just got hooked. I want to watch it and I have to wait for my husband to get home so we can watch it together. I just signed back onto Netflix because I wanted to watch The Tiger King oh, yeah. season two. Yeah. And I'm sorry, chatters. I don't know if, I, you know, we should have a poll. Did Carol Baskin kill her husband? <laughs> yes or no? I honestly, if she didn't, fine. If she did, fine. Because you know what? 
I think we all know a couple of men we would be to a tiger. So mm, mm. I'm just saying if she did do it, I mean, then she's a psycho. Well, I mean, it's because she is just <laughs> she's she appears to be a little loony. So let me ask you this. It was a documentary, right? Originally. Mm-hmm. And there were things that were from what I understand, there were things that were recorded that like the other people didn't know were being recorded. So kind of right. Netflix kind of put this big story together where you hear. Do you think any of it was played up? like acting or yeah so before the netflix documentary came out i wa- i was listening to the podcast the tiger king from wondery oh and the way they spun it they were spinning it more into carol's favor um in fact that he really did put a hit on her life mm-hmm. and all this stuff and he is crazy i mean as, as psychopathic as she is he's freaking crazy sure and i'm not saying that he's a bad guy i'm saying he's yeah just as just as much as a lunatic as she is. But then when I watched the Netflix, I was really like, it is completely polar opposite from the podcast. So when I saw Netflix, I'm like, wow, this is kind of built up to make Carol look guilty and make him look innocent. So Mm. it's crazy. I mean, you should try watching it on Wondery podcast. Yeah. It's pretty good. Okay. So did you finish the second season then, yet, of Tiger King? I actually started also watching, um, there's another guy named, the guy with the ponytail, the guru, the yoga guy in Tiger King. Oh, yeah. King. So he's the Myrtle Beach Safari. Yes. Owner guy. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's He has a different, he's got a new yeah. spinoff. He's crazy. Yeah. He's a lunatic. All, he's a womanizer. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> he's, I mean, I'm sitting there going, how, I'm, first of all, I know people like this, but sure. second of all, I'm like, this guy is a lunatic. Yeah. Like he, there, he's one of those, he's that Jimmy Jones, like that Jim Jones. The, Jim Jones. you mean the Jonestown guy? Jonestown. Yeah. He's, he's like that. He's that level wow. crazy. Like drink my Kool-Aid people. Yeah. So whenever we yeah, were talking yes. about that during the Aqua Tafana, I watched a really good documentary from very scary people on the Jonestown Massacre, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever my husband and I went back and he was listening to Aqua Tafana, he's like, do you think that's where they came up with the whole phrase, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I, I looked that up. That's exactly where they came from. Isn't that crazy? Jonestown. Jonestown. Yeah. That, that's it a whole crazy. new, that's a whole new podcast. That's a whole new story. Yeah. That's your story. <laughs> I love okay, it. Okay, because that story is going to be crazy because there's a lot. There's a murder tied around that with the reporter and, oh, my Lord. Yeah. 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 So, Kat, are you ready for my first installment of Sinful Spirit? I can't wait. Yes, I'm so excited. I have no idea what you're going to talk about. But... Well, I'm going to get into movie versus reality. Okay. But I wanted to ask you, do you have any spooky tale before I get started oh my gosh yes actually mm-hmm. well the first encounter so my kid's father mm-hmm. had always said that he had this sixth sense and okay. whenever we were in England we went to a Christmas Eve service it was about 11 30 at night we were walking by going to this church old obviously in in England and in Europe and stuff it's very 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 old right mm-hmm. We were walking by this graveyard to get to the church, and he's like, yep, there's a ghost over there sitting on the grave. And I was like, what? Okay, what? if Wait. you say so. He saw, he saw like, a it's, it's apparition what he said. on, oh, okay. That's what he said. And then uh, he also said, like, his the house that he grew up in was mm-hmm. haunted, and we would go stay with his parents, you know, on, on occasion. And there was one morning, it was the middle of the night, and I went to the go to the kitchen to get some water. 
and I saw a shadow like standing in the kitchen and it freaked me out. And I, I, I'd never believed him like at all. I never believed anything that he had said about this. Right. So I turned around and I came back, like I went back to the bedroom and I was, I was frozen. Like that was, then I got to thinking about it years later going, I didn't really, I was just seeing it. Like he put that in my head. Right. Right. Okay. But I will also tell you, so for my 40th birthday, my husband and I went to Savannah, which is one of the most hauntest, haunted places Mm -hmm. in the United States. And we went to um, a coworker of mine who also does like ghost hunting part time, ended up, he was there on that same weekend. So he's like, hey, do you want to come to do this like ghost investigation? And I was like, heck yeah, why not? Let's do it. And now I'll also tell you chatters, it wasn't a ghost tour. It was an actual investigation like of what you see on TV, but it was it wasn't played up. Like there's right. a lot of so from what I understand and kind of my coworker was one of the people that were what was doing the investigations, but there was also a guy that was in charge. The guy that was in charge, I got to talking to him, and he's like, "Yeah, there's a couple of like TV stations out there that really play it up for the audience." Mm-hmm. He said, "But the Travel Channel, which is he was doing a documentary for the Travel Channel, on that same place the following week, he said the Travel Channel doesn't." do it that way and I was like okay well that's kind of cool so he has a preference like who he works with when he does these ghost investigations right so they were doing like a pre we were there during like a a pre-screening if you will Mm -hmm. of what's called the Moon River Brewing Company it is one of the oldest facilities that's in Savannah so let me tell you a little bit about it really quick it was built in the 1800s it has four stories including a basement and it is widely regarded as one of the most haunted places in America. Mm-hmm. It started out as a hotel. So it was the very first hotel ever in Savannah, ever. It was this called the City Hotel. Okay. And like I said, it was built in the 1800s. And then kind of leading into that, they had several outbreaks of yellow fever. So they turned this four-story hotel into a hospital multiple times. So as you can imagine, hundreds of people died. Yeah. And actually, a lot of them were children. Aww. But the basement has Toby. He's a little boy. And when we went to go investigate the basement, we tried to get Toby to come out and talk to us. And this is where a lot of people would hear like kids playing and they would kind of feel tugging on the pants and that kind of thing. Right. We, so I didn't, I didn't see this. Right. But one of the investigators that we were with actually saw a full body apparition. So saw an FBA because I was facing him when we were doing this recording Mm -hmm. and he was looking basically kind of past me and said that he saw this FBA. And I was like, I turned around and I didn't see anything. And it was very kind of, it was dark. Now, just like on TV though, they had still cameras set up everywhere. Uh, we were walking, we would go and investigate like floor by floor kind of. So this was like a, and, a tour, to, uh, so you were on a tour, but you also, they provided. It wasn't a tour. It, it wasn't a tour at all. It was, we just tagged along the investigation. It was an actual, it was an actual investigation. investigation. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Um, so they did like the EVP, which is that electronic voice, mm-hmm. whatever, like where it kind of picks up. Basically an EVP. Well, no, that's the spirit box. I'm getting that mixed it gets up. It gets like but the this, electronic or like the frequency. Yeah. Yes. So the spirit box, what that does is it, it, it goes through the frequencies, like radio frequencies, really mm-hmm. fast. And if you get two or three words in a row, that's kind of more of higher, like more valuable evidence that somebody's actually talking back to you based on the radio frequencies. 
So we had a couple of one and two phrases where they answered us. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so nothing really happened that we could see other than the other inve- one of the investigators saying that he saw a full body apparition. Mm-hmm. In the hotel itself, well, now a brewery, right? A restaurant and a brewery. One of the biggest acts of violence that occurred in the walls took place around 1860. The Civil War had not yet actually happened, but there was already like a clear hatred for Yankees in the South, oh. right? In Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> So there was one guy, James Sinclair, he came down and he decided to stay in the city hotel. The regular, the the locals were upset that there was this yank staying in their city hotel. Right. So they tried to force him out, but what they ended up doing is a lynch mob ended up like going in and pulling him out of the hotel and beating him almost to death in the streets, like right out in front of where the hotel was. They didn't kill him, but surely this would be enough for somebody to like haunt in the afterlife, right? Like, you almost beat me to death. I'm going to come back and haunt you. (laughs) So there was also another incident, which is this is one of the other areas that we investigated when I was there, is there was a guy named James Stark, and he was kind of like the town drunk, like nobody liked him or anything Mm -hmm. like that. He was shot by the only the town's only doctor. Why would a doctor shoot? Isn't that against the Hippocratic Oath? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but he said because he was so obnoxious and he just had a Stark had a reputation of being like insulting and everything. And he what he said was he was actually the doctor was acquitted almost immediately because he uh, said that Stark pulled a gun on him first. So So where he landed, the stairwell in itself Mm -hmm. was very creepy. Was it? Which is, they were saying that's kind of where he shot, like the doctor shot him going up the stairs and he landed kind of at the landing on the main floor. Uh And there was this really weird feeling that was kind of around there. Did you feel it? The whole stairwell in itself was just creepy. Wow. It really was. It was just really, really creepy. The main floor has the dining room and, like, the restrooms and the bar and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Right. And due to the amount of people, a lot of times in the restaurant, like, there's not always something that's seen. But there have been apparitions that have been seen before where, like, somebody is there and then they kind of disappear. There's been Mm -hmm. beer glasses that have been moved and nobody's touched them. There's been feeling of, like, just patrons, regular patrons. Like, somebody brushed against them and there's nobody there. So I'll tell you, my husband went to the bathroom while we were there and I went to the women's room with one of the female investigators and he went to the bathroom like they're right there kind of next to each other Mm -hmm. and he said when he was going to the bathroom he felt a tug on his pants like not not like a brush not but it was an it was a definite tug yeah that would freak me out that was so we get done whatever and he comes out and he comes out he and he told us about that Mm -hmm. and the female investigator that I was with she said Usually I record when I go into the bathroom because there's a lot of interactions that happen there. They they catch a lot of things on the audio recorder in the bathroom for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So we went into the men's room and tried to talk to whatever was there, whatever unknown being that might have been there, Mm -hmm. and tried to get him to kind of come out and join us and follow us to go to the next place or whatever because we were going, I think, to another floor. Anyways, it's it was just really interesting. We didn't really get anything on like the audio recorder or anything like that. 
Uh, but also, so you've got the basement, the main floor, and then the top two floors. Mm-hmm. The top two floors are the what's kind of known to be the most haunted, and this is where a lot of people were known to have died from like the yellow fever and such, right? right? One of the things that people see there is a full body apparition of a claim they've seen a woman in white there, and, and she's one of the w- most well-known ghosts along with Toby. Mm-hmm. And uh, they call her Mrs. Johnson. I don't know if that was her actual name or if there was somebody named Mrs. Johnson that actually stayed there. Okay. But after the building was purchased in 1990, what is now known as the brewery, the Moon River Brewery, the building was renovated. And there was evidence even when we were there that it was an unfinished construction site. And mm-hmm. what happened was is the people that were on this construction team that were part of the renovation they were getting tools pulled out of their hands, like tools being thrown at them. And each of the like the construction workers, they quit like one by one. And it ended up being just the main construction guy working. Right. So his wife brought came over and like brought him lunch or something one day. She was pulled or pushed so hard down the stairs that it it wouldn't have been like she just lost her balance. Like it was an it was an obvious like push. Right. Oh. I think she ended up like breaking her ankle or something like that. And oh, wow. so the main foreman was like, "Nope, I'm done. I quit." <laughs> and it never got finished. Oh it's my god. It's still unfinished to this day. Are you kidding me? Is it open for business? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the main floor of the brewery and everything's open for business. They do do ghost tours. Like you mm. can go to there and you can They'll have a tour guide take you, and you can go and look. But the staircase is... Off limits. There's part of the area... One of the staircases that they were redoing is off limits. They've built oh. other stairs, like, kind of in place. They were in the process of doing an <laughs> elevator. Right. And that... You can't... You, like, you can't walk over in that area because it's just... It's unfinished. Now, there's also um, the top floor, the fourth floor... Mm-hmm. is because it is so well known as being haunted there's been a lot of break-ins there okay. and people will go to that like that fourth f- floor and there's evidence of like seances and there's a, a, a pentagram that was on the floor when I was there like oh just my God. really weird stuff but yeah. it, I will also tell you when they say temperature change we got that huge cold temperature change when we were there Like, we walked up into the fourth floor, started walking around, and kind of sat down, Mm -hmm. and then it was like, it dropped 10 degrees. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, I I will say not all of this is, like, pure evidence of something, but it was a ton of fun, and we also decided to err on the side of caution that when we left, we did not invite the ghosts to come with us. We told Uh them to stay there, Mm -hmm. and we'll be back. We'll come visit you again. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's my little spookiness of a story. I love it. We have to go back. Oh, yeah. And and they've got great beer anyway. So I don't drink beer, but they have wine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Moon River Brewing Company. So they have this other, like, they've got their facility, and then they now also have, like, an outside beer garden Mm -hmm. that's, like, and we went there in October. It was a beautiful time of year that it was just, it was really, really nice outside. You could sit outside and there was, it, it was really, really nice. It's just that I like Savannah. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. I mean, Savannah yeah. is gorgeous. But yeah, yeah I can. So much history. They, absolutely. I can definitely see how it could have, like, just be kind of like a hub for the haunted and it's. Oh, yeah. All right. Now for a word from our sponsor. Today's segment has been sponsored by our friends at Fatal Beauty LLC, a vegan, cruelty-free, eco-friendly, women-owned, and indie-inspired beauty line. They have all kinds of cosmetics and accessories, eyeshadows, lips, lashes, brushes, 
you name it, they have it. And they are absolutely committed to quality, which should never be a compromise. They are the only place you need to shop for great, fabulous, affordable makeup. And they have a variety of collections to include collabs with the amazing makeup artist Paul Dow. They also have a BFF collection, which is so fitting as this company was started by two besties who want you to feel like a queen. This BFF collection includes amazingly pigmented eyeshadow palettes, lashes, and lipsticks that are just gorgeous. But there's so much more to explore, and there is something literally for everyone. You can shop now at www.shopfatalbeauty.com using our code CRIMECHAT for a 20% off of your entire purchase. That's www.shopfatalbeauty.com to earn your discount today. So, um, are you ready for my crime chat? Let's get to the real crime chat story. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Yes. So, your story is kind of like a lot what I'm going to go over today. And so, today's crime chat is poltergeist. I'm going to go over movie versus reality. Well, I will also say that movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. (laughs) Allow me to cue in some music to set the stage. Well, that spooky little melody is the vibe um, of one of the scariest films of its time. Actually, honestly, the film holds up today because it's so freaking scary. We're going to go to take a deep dive into 1982 blockbuster hit Poltergeist, a very scary and true story that inspired it, as well as the curse that surrounds the movie itself. Are you familiar with? That? I don't know that I I ever knew that it was an actual story. Yeah. No. The it's... little I know. So I know the little girl died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to talk about that. At I all. am. I am. Okay. But there there is a story that actually inspired the movie itself, and it's not well known because the family was mm-hmm. so private. But uh, yeah, we're going to take a deep dive. So Poltergeist is not. Honestly, Poltergeist, the movie, does not get the credit that it deserves for being so deeply influential because, let's face it, it modernized the Haunted House film forever, inspiring movies like Sixth Sense, Paranormal Activity, and, I mean, countless others. Look, I already have chills, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try. me chills, okay. I'm going to, listen, it's it's a good story, so very different. Poltergeist was very different from the traditional haunted house stories. Yes, yes. This movie is set in American suburbs, white picket fences, cookie cutter ranch style Mm -hmm. homes, and of course, the beautiful Joe Beth Williams and her epic hair. Yes. Do you remember that scene when she's brushing her hair? I do. I do. She's she's a beautiful woman. It's important to point out that the Poltergeist movies placed this terrifying genre right smack in middle America. Mm. Regular people, Mm -hmm. you know, like, as opposed to the normal haunted house movies that were set in in some type of uh, ancient mansion, you know, with some grief-stricken 
couple, wakening a demon, evil spirit, right. some pissed off aunt that came up to mess with you. Basically, all the haunted house movies were the mm-hmm. same. It was the it was the same kind of storyline. Right. Before Poltergeist got a crack at the genre, these movies were meant to feel cold and distant to the viewer. Even movies like The Exorcist, mm-hmm. which you remember, mm. remember that movie. Yep. Even in that movie where where the scenery was more updated and present to the time, mm-hmm. the big luxurious brownstone with the all white interior, uh, which was designed to feel less warm and cozy. Mm-hmm. And more sterile and lifeless, more like an anti-home, which is completely unrelatable sure. to the viewer. Yeah, like, they could, like us. and I, they want to feel part of it. Like, they want to feel like they're there. So, yeah, I totally can see that where some of it would feel like you're just kind of separated. You can't right. see yourself there, so it doesn't seem, you can't get pulled into it, which, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's probably what writers and directors want, is they want the audience to feel like they're part of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think before that, before Poltergeist, uh, you can watch a haunted house movie, and although they're amazing, you can never really see yourself there. Right. So as we know in the movie, the Freeling family home was none of the above. Mm-hmm. The family home dynamic was all too familiar mm-hmm. to you and I. It was totally relatable because it depicted us. It depicted football Sundays, noisy neighbors, yeah. nosy neighbors bickering siblings, and then all of a sudden they started experiencing paranormal activity, which they identified later on as a poltergeist. Viewers, when they watched this movie, were shocked because they had no idea where the storyline was going at that point. We've never seen anything like it. Right, right. Basically, poltergeist the movie, they had everything. They had people floating down the stairs, chairs moving, electrical equipment going nuts, and it was all fun and games till the TV sucked Carolyn into another dimension. <laughs> that was the creepiest part for me. That I, I just yeah. still remember that to this day as a kid, watching that mm-hmm. going Carolyn. I know Carolyn. <laughs> it was creepy. <laughs> After that happened in the movie, the shit hit the fan. Yeah. No Suddenly, kidding. the paranormal activity turns evil, and the people were eating whole chicken covered in maggots. Mm. Some dude was peeling his face off in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. The angry tree monster that broke into the window yes. in the child's room. You remember that? Oh, that was it, was, it was the thunder and she was counting one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. The sun. Right? Was or the sun. The yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. it started counting backwards. Like it was getting yeah. closer. And then, yeah, the tree monster. You're giving me chills right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> because you know what? We can't forget one scene that I have to be honest with you. It screwed up my entire childhood, mm-hmm. which is the clown under the bed. Oh, yes. <gasps> yeah. So, Chatters, that's going to lead us into our first fun fact. Yes, I did see this as a child. Mm-hmm. And why was I able to go to the movies and buy a ticket and watch this movie? Because that would never happen today. No, 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 it would not. <laughs> Well, because although the movie was technically meant to be rated R, in 1983, Spielberg told the MPAA he only made PG movies and R-rated didn't apply to him. So to appease Spielberg, because remember, he had E.T. was released a week later, they appeased him and they said, no problem, we'll make it uh, PG. (gasps) 
Wow. Uh, yeah. And it's the Spielberg point, power. Spielberg power. PG-13 technically was not even released until 1984, a year mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. I guess they learned their lesson with Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when it changed. Like, I remember now all these ratings and stuff and you yeah. couldn't see. And then, of course, by the time I became a teenager, I remember we went to go my girlfriend and I went to go see Candyman and I was mm-hmm. 16 and she was 17. Yeah. And they're like, Sh- you can't go in. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't go in? Yeah. Want to go see Candyman? <laughs> <laughs> I I think when I went to see Poltergeist, I must have been 10, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Did you go by yourself? Free- no, I went with or a couple with of friends. friends. My yeah. parents dropped me off at the movie theater. They were like, go yeah, have go, fun. go have fun. Go, go watch, have fun. you know, movie about paranormal stuff. That's yes. fine. Yeah. It's fine. Well, Everything's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> now, a little insight to the origin. The word poltergeist comes from the German language uh, word poltron, okay. which means to make a sound or to rumble, mm. um, along with the geist, which means ghost or spirit, translates into noisy ghost or loud spirit. Rumbling spirit. Okay. The rumbling ghost. Rumbling, the rumbling ghost. Gotcha. In ghost lore, poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for loud noises, moving or destroying objects. Mm-hmm. Most claims describe poltergeist as capable of pinching, biting, hitting, tripping people. Mm. Yeah. So apparently Toby did that, does that. Toby did that. Right. You could have. And yeah, so he would, if people wouldn't, the theory goes, is mm-hmm. if people wouldn't play with him in the basement, he would get mad. Right. And he would start to like pull pranks on people <sighs> and people would fall like tripping and they would feel like biting and that kind of stuff. So he was probably like a poltergeist. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, oh, little Toby. We were little, nice to Toby. So Toby was nice to us. Okay. And you asked him not to follow you, which is good. Yes. Which is good. <laughs> we so, didn't have hauntings follow us. <laughs> <laughs> well, poltergeists are known to haunt a particular pro- person instead of a location. Hmm. You remember that movie, Sinister? Oh yeah. It was yeah, uh, it was like yeah. Uh, your ha- your son is haunted, not the not the house, which freaked me out. That was a good film. Yeah. That was a good movie too. Yeah. Well Well the Conjuring the new movie that came out, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Yes. Fantastic movie. Is it? Loved it. All right. Yes. I gotta check it out. A great storyline. Like I really I like I will admit the first conjuring when it came out, I didn't watch it. No. Because <laughs> okay. it scared it's it was too scary. <laughs> like I didn't even want to do that. But since it had come out, like, I've become a fan mm-hmm. of scary movies yeah. kind of thing. So I watched, I watched it once, not not just once, but twice. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's more so curses than anything. Uh-huh. But there are individuals, not a location, that's possessed. Yeah. Which reminds me, it reminded me of that. Yeah. Well, early claims of the spirits that harass and torment the victims date back as early as the first century. Um, sure. But poltergeists yeah. were more common in the early early 17th century, which, I, you know what? I could probably unpack some stuff there, why it was so common at that point. There was a lot happening socially 
economically. Well, <laughs> documentation also. Yeah. We, I mean, we, there could have been things that were happening before, but it was just never written yes. down and people didn't know to write it down or to capture it at some point and say, this happened to me. So I think, cause we kind of talked about with Julia Tafana and uh -huh. the, the lack of documentation and stuff yes. in the 1600s, uh -huh. right? Leading into the 17th century, mm -hmm. how things started to be a little bit yeah. better documented. Mm -hmm. So like those historical artifacts and stuff that we can actually look back today and say, okay, this is what was documented for history. So I think maybe that has something to do with it as well. That's true. That is absolutely true. So, I mean, I you can only imagine that there have been, and there have been thousands of cases reported of poltergeist or activity around sure. the world. Yeah. But there is one case that inspired the movie itself. And it is okay. not well known. And that has a lot to do with the way the family handled um, the way the media um, came into their home and, and spoke about the story. So we're going to talk about the haunting of the Herman House in 1958, the story that inspired mm. the movie The Poltergeist. Mm. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. So James and Lucille Herman and their two teenage children, James Jr. and Lucy, lived in a quaint little ranch house in a safe, unassuming suburb, suburb in Seaford, Long Island. New York. New York. That's right. Yeah, my, my, my little backyard. Um, <laughs> on the evening of February 3rd, 1958, while at work, James received a phone call from his wife informing him that she and the kids were just enjoying some time together at the home and they heard a series of popping sounds coming from various spots around the house. Hmm. They looked around the house themselves and they found uncapped bottles and of several substances mm -hmm. and completely upended that bottles that were completely upside down in different rooms, including a vial of holy water, which spilled all over the bedroom dresser. And I think that in itself kind of like like just just saying like oh there was a vial of holy water that got that's just weird i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> mr herman when he heard this phone call he was he was skeptical of the whole entire the chat with his wife he's like listen just stay calm don't tell anyone he thinks that it was like some type of neighborhood neighborhood prankster or teenager that got into the home to spook the family okay like, remember it's 1950 yeah yeah there it's just perception it's is reality way. to the exactly. you know the beaver family right yeah the beaver right exactly <laughs> nail on the head there you go so five days later the same thing happened again while he was home and they were making dinner and at this time mr Her herman watched in horror as bottles moved around the bathroom as if they were being dragged by an unseen hand hmm. at that point he called the police he didn't know what the hell they did mm -hmm. but the officer that came in reported that he did hear the noises mm -hmm. He saw the capless bottles, but after searching the home, he could not explain the disturbance because there was no evidence of an intruder coming into the home. The home was was secure at the time mm -hmm. and, you know, ruling out what Mr. Herman initially thought, that it was mm -hmm. like some type of teenage prankster coming in. The Hermans did what exactly what every devout Catholic would do, and that would be... Call a priest. Call on a priest. <laughs> Let's bless, bless the home. Call on a priest. Come on, Father. Uh, exactly. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Exactly. So they did just that. And after the blessing, uh, the incident became more violent and <laughs> with, with like figurines flying around the home. They oh, had this geez. huge. I know. They had this huge bookcase that just toppled over. Things were getting a little dangerous. Once this happened, 
with the church when they came in to bless and, and the fact that the disturbances were getting more frequent and more violent, of course, the media got a hold of it. And it went national. Uh, mm-hmm. It was actually a subject of a Lifetime magazine article at one point, and you can read about it. And I will, I will put that. Uh, you on have that. You Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You have that picture of the Life. I do. Um, magazine. I have okay. everything, and it was hard to find, but I have everything about this family. So news of the activity at the at this point, as you can imagine, the Herman House spread like wildfire. People wrote to the Hermans. They wrote letters saying that, you know, there's a reasonable explanation for what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then others would say, oh, no, definitely. You are being haunted by a poltergeist. During this time, the activity continued. And even while the officers were at the home, the officer said, oh, I saw bottles moving. Like they were reporting this activity. Wow. Everybody saw it. Yeah. Like nobody. It was no longer. Well, I heard it. But I didn't see it. No, everybody at this point, it was, it didn't matter who you were, there was activity in this home. Mm. And to make matters even more unusual, Kat, the Herman house was not your typical haunted house. It was a suburban model purchased new in 1953 by the Hermans. The Hermans were the only people who ever lived there. There was nothing to indicate that there was some type of unfinished business by some previous deceased tenant. Nothing that we're used to seeing. Normally, in a haunting, yeah, um, but people were baffled. Was it built over uh, Indian? <laughs> I know. I knew you were gonna say graveyard. that. I knew you were gonna say that. Well, no, it wasn't. But I knew you were gonna say that. It was not. It <laughs> okay. was just a new, normal American suburban development that went up, okay. and you know, everything's spanking new. And wow, you start your life here. With your, yeah, it was. It was just. There was no way to kind of rationalize what was going on. So the Herman family was contacted by a doctor, J.B. Ryan. He was the director of Duke University's Parapsychology Laboratory. Parapsychology? Uh, uh, That's a thing? In 1953, I mean, this guy was kind of like probably one of the only ones that really Well, I mean, that's when UFOs and everything were happening too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he approached the Hermans after about a month of disturbances. Ryan believes that the presence of a teenage of their teenage children might be the reason why they attracted a poltergeist. That's weird. I know. I, I know. Well, fun fact, chatters. Did you know that all reported poltergeists have adolescent children involved? Oh. Yeah. Wow. They all do. There's never a poltergeist where it's just like two adult people. It's oh, there's always adolescent, and it's not young children. There's always a teenager. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I, I went down a rabbit hole looking, trying to find, and that is just the most common occurrence where the activity of a poltergeist will be. It's more likely to be in a home where there's a child who's either going through puberty. That was that like was the transition I don't know. So weird. I don't know. It's crazy. That was J.B. Ryan's whole thesis. Like he was saying, oh, no, it's definitely connected to the just the vibe that a teenager is going Mm -hmm. through and that he's attracting certain spirits. Hmm. So he did. (laughs) So he did bring some of his colleagues into the house to study this. He interviewed the family and he recorded some of the mysterious occurrences. However, shortly after their arrival, everything completely stopped. So in the end, there were about like 70 
documented reports of unusual, unusual activity in the house between February 3rd and March 10th. That's a lot. And that's only, what, five, five weeks maybe? Yeah. And there were yeah. 70 documented, like, reported crazy shit mm-hmm. going on. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The family eventually moved away. And at that point, they, like Fort Knox, they did not talk about it. They didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. It was done for them. Yeah. They um, just wanted to move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I can understand that. Yeah. Later on, their daughter, Lucy, appeared in a documentary called Real Fear, The Truth Behind the Movies, which aired on Chiller Network. Mm-hmm. But she has never watched the Poltergeist movie. She refuses to. I can she- see that. I mean, if I were been part of something so traumatic mm-hmm. that happened in real life. Yeah. Okay, so I've been deployed four times and been Mm -hmm. overseas multiple times after in a different capacity. I mean, I've been shot at, I've seen things, I've lost people. I refuse to watch certain war movies because I can't, like I can't go there. And I could see that, like something so traumatic that you you just don't want to put yourself back through that because you feel like you're reliving it again. I totally, I totally understand that. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. How did this inspire the movie, you may ask? Just um, because it makes it for great money. <laughs> it's a great story. A yeah. Uh, seriously. Well, obviously, Poltergeist the movie sensationalized the story of sure. the Hermans. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it is what it is. Right. Uh, S- Steven Spielberg and his team recognized the real-life terror of the Herman story. Mm-hmm. A young, happy family moves into a brand-new suburban home with their children in a safe neighborhood, and the unthinkable happens. It basically flipped what we know about haunted houses on, the, on its head, is yeah. what it did. Yeah. The movie itself is also believed to be cursed because one gruesome scene in the movie... Now, I say gruesome because a lot of people don't know about this scene. Um, And this is, yeah, this is like, oh, are you ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. In the movie, during the ending sequence, while the family is being attacked by the poltergeist. Right. It is raining heavily. Do you remember this? It's raining heavy. Yes. Joe Beth Williams, the gorgeous Joe Beth Williams, is running around. She runs outside. Yes. She slips. She falls into this unfinished pool site. I remember. Yep. Yeah. Which looks like a muddy hole at this point. Right. In the ground. She tries to crawl out. And she is surrounded by skeletons popping out of the ground. Yes. The scene is terrifying. I I mean, even today. Yeah. However, the effort for realism went a bit too far. The prop director, Craig Reardon, later Mm -hmm. informed the cast and crew that they used actual skeletons and corpses (gasps) because, and I quote, buying a cadaver was cheaper than buying a plastic one. Oh my that gosh. Cat, enti- that entire scene is real. Is real. Those are all is real. Is that legal? Bodies. Or uh, maybe was it legal then? I mean, I don't know. My gosh. I, I don't know. I don't think it was legal. I don't know. I, you know what? If you could buy a, a, a cadaver, I don't know. I don't know. But, but isn't that I crazy? mean, is it cadaversforsale.com? You know, like, I mean, I get people who, when they die, some people uh-huh. want their bodies donated to science, and mm-hmm. you go to 
you know, the graveyard that's up in Tennessee, or what's the, the body farm, right? Right. And they examine bodies and test it in various decomposition phases and that kind of thing. But, I mean, just to go by a, a, a dead human? Yeah. So every skeleton that popped up during that scene was a real person. <sighs> and it wasn't even a skeleton. They were corpses. Yeah. There was still leftover skin and debris. I mean, if you think about if you look back at the scene. It, it is creepy. I mean, it looks really, it looked real, right? Yeah, wow. My mind she didn't is know. freaking Joe Beth didn't know until after the scene was he the, the the special effects director mm-hmm. knew enough not to tell anybody. Of course, so he knew it was wrong. Yeah, uh, and he told everybody later when the scene was actually cut and and was accepted, and then he told everybody what actually what it was. Um, and he stands by it today. But at that point, why would you even say it? I mean, why I bother? Know. Why bother? I, th- I think it was, I, I don't know. I don't know, but he, st- he stands by his decision today. This makes me... He's arrogant. This makes arrogant me even that. more, like, ready mm. to do those movie scenes gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Episode yeah, that we were talking about, right? <laughs> yes, Where people were, like, we're going to do. I mean, uh, Alec Baldwin just most recently, right? Mm-hmm. The guy mm-hmm. gave it to him. He said it was a prop. Crazy. It is crazy. And, and you trust the prop director yeah, and course. the special effects director. I would never think in a million years an actress that they would think about. It's just so horrific. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Mm-hmm. So, Kat, this is a lot of the reason reasons why people think this movie is haunted yeah. or cursed. This movie is cursed. Yeah. That's the theory. Yeah. Yeah. And here are some additional facts of why people think it's cursed. Mm-hmm. So the actress who played Carol Ann, Heather Rock, yeah. died at age 12 from yeah. cardiac arrest and septic shock. After being that misdiagnosed for years, mm-hmm. um, she actually had intestinal stenosis. So mm-hmm. even when she was in Poltergeist 1, when we saw her as a little girl saying, mm-hmm. they're here, she was a sick little girl. Mm-hmm. And the doctors misdiagnosed her completely. Mm-hmm. And when you see her in Poltergeist 3, she is so swollen. Yeah. From just being totally, t- I mean, her system backed at that point up, was toxic. Really? Yeah. yeah. Her, and she, everything she, is like, yeah, everything's and backed she was up on, and in her system. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was on like a high dosage of prednisone, which made her face very round. And mm-hmm. she was a sick little girl. And it was just so sad to see her. Mm -hmm. I remember when she died. Nobody expected it. Nobody expected it. Number two, the actress who played Dana, the teenage daughter in Poltergeist 1. Yes, the older daughter. Dominique Dunn Dunn was murdered by her boyfriend five months after the release date. And that in itself is a hell of a crime chat story. Yes. I remember that. Yeah, that's crazy. We'll have to do that. Yeah. So number three, crime chat fact, uh, during the production, the cast and the crew would say that when they went home after filming, things in their house were moved or rearranged. So every day, cast and crew would come come back to filming and they would say, you know what? My pictures are all over the place. Things are moved into my home. Weird. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of documents. So next that. week, when we come back, we'll have to let you know if any goobly gobbly things have happened <laughs> mm-hmm. seriously going over this now there have been like three installments of this movie like this poltergeist one two and three mm-hmm. and just so you know even though we're not covering it each one poltergeist one two and three 
there have been strange deaths around it from mm-hmm. cast and crew. Mm. So that scene alone with the corpses, you know what? It probably is, is crazy. crazy. Yeah. So, uh, <sighs> yeah, it, it's disturbing is what it is. And when you watch the movie now, like when you look at the scene, think about it. It's mm-hmm. disturbing. Mm-hmm. If you think, yeah. I don't know that I'll ever watch it again, but. <laughs> I know. But um, if I ever do, I'll remember that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, so fun fact, Stephen King was originally asked to write the script. You know what? I his... think I remember that too. I, I think I remember that. Do you remember that? I so, think so. I can understand that. Stephen yeah. King is this guy oh, yeah. He, spooky the, on. The, yeah, the king of oddities. Yeah, and but his agent asked for too much money, and then at that point they hired Spielberg. The original, Who just, I mean, this was what, 82, right? This was 83. 83. Well, I guess when they hired him in 82, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first segment of Jaws came out in, what, 78? Mm-hmm. Then you, he had, had, you had Jaws 2 came out in 82, so I mean... He was pretty, he was up there as well. All right. And a week later, E.T. was coming out after Poltergeist. So he had something in the pipeline. Yep. And the original movie script was not called Poltergeist. It was called Nighttime. Oh. Yeah. Poltergeist makes so much better. I know. I know. I like Poltergeist. (laughs) No, it's, 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 the movie was done right. Mm Mm-hmm. It was done right. Mm Mm-hmm. Another fun fact. Do you know the notorious Amityville Horror House? Yes. Also in New York. Also in, in Long Island, New York. Do you know that's seven miles away from the Herman House? Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's a little too close for me. That's too close for comfort. <laughs> that's too close for comfort. <laughs> I'm going to stay the fuck away from Long Island. <laughs> I know. Oh, listen. Listen. It's the only place in New York that's not a borough. Right? Think about it. New York City has five boroughs. Long Island's not one of them because, you know what? We, we vacation there. We go to the Hamptons. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Love Hamptons. <laughs> so, Chatters, Cat, did it. That is my first sinful spirit story. Cheers, babe. Cheers. Cheers. I am freaked <laughs> out. Are you? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> this is a crazy, like, so, I mean, I remember Poltergeist as a child. I remember being scared about it. I mean, I'll, I've watched mm-hmm. it obviously since then. And, you know, you kind of can look back and go, like, oh, you know, but. One, not realizing it was based off an actual event. Of course, yeah. with the Hollywoodisms, you know, and everything, it makes it, it accentuates all of the potential events that might have happened. Carol mm-hmm. Ann didn't get, or Lucy, didn't get sucked into the TV. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> but everything else that's kind of with the scene, the fact that they use actual cadavers is just blowing my mind. Well, the whole thing, I think, poltergeist with the the actual story and what they put in the movies in hollywood is they capitalized on the fact that it was a normal american mm-hmm. household mm-hmm. they took that normal american household and they put it in a genre that we never thought we would be a part of which mm-hmm. is what do you mean my normal appliances toaster and tv and microwave are going to come after me like right yeah that freaked us out so in a way they modernized haunted houses Mm -hmm. but they also if you think about it they also monetized it because a part of america back then in 1983 was what we owned we were very into what we owned like you know it was at that point we were we were buying homes and we were we wanted that white picket fence Mm -hmm. you know life and stuff like that i mean in the the 80s was uh, a mimic of what was perceived in the 50s and 60s right right 
Yeah. All right. So with that said, suddenly in Poltergeist, basically they flipped it around and they said, well, what if all of these things were now your enemy? What mm-hmm. if that TV was your enemy? And it, it's so brilliantly done if you think about it, because yeah. even their open, the open scene of Caroline touching the TV and saying they're here, remember the scene where it was, they, they showed the American flag and they were singing the national anthem. Mm-hmm. So it's very American, like it connected with us because yes. that is a normal household. Yes. And like you said in the beginning, it brought you back to that. I can relate yeah. to this family. I can relate to. Right. And then if it can happen to them, it can happen to me. It can happen to everybody. Yeah. Right? They definitely changed. They flipped the script. They did. It was brilliant. Yeah. They flipped the script. Yeah. Well done, Steven Spielberg. Well done. Yes, Absolutely. Unfortunately, they were up for a lot of awards that year. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, they were up for, um, with the Academy Awards, they were up for design awards, they were up, they, they, there was a lot of things that happened in that movie that were just not done in other movies, like the scene where uh, Joe Beth Williams was brushing her beautiful hair at the end on the bed with that little jersey on, mm-hmm. and then she started spinning, or she's pulling up against the, the ceiling and the walls. That was a spinning room. That was never really done in a movie before. Oh, yeah. And they were up for all these awards, but E.T. that came out a week later from Spielberg took all of the Swept awards. it all. Swept Which it was all. also a phenomenal movie. but It was. It yeah. was. absolutely, And it was a PG movie. Thank God. <laughs> a real PG. <laughs> a real PG movie. Thank God. Oh my God. I well, can't Chatters, what do you think about our first sinful spirit story? Yes. We don't want to leave you hanging. There's going to be more information on this case, the actual case, the actual story of where Poltergeist came mm-hmm. from. So you got to check out the After That Crime Chat only on Patreon. Right. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. I mean, we have it all there for you. You need to check it out. Just search Crime Chat with Nat and Kat on meet all your social media needs. Subscribe to our Patreon for bonus episodes, behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. research, bloopers, and check out our merch in the works. Yes. You know what, Chatters? Join us with this journey because it's fun. So we want you to become a VIP chatter. We want to be able to kind of communicate with you directly. And if you have anything that you want to add or if you have any suggestions, let us know. Oh, we are all ears on what you guys want to hear. What you want to chat about, chatters. Exactly. You don't want to miss what's coming. So we will see you on the next Crime Chat. Bye.